You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Hi, I'm Vanessa. And I'm Abby. And you're listening to Real Moms of Bravo, a weekly Bravo podcast where we recap your favorite Bravo shows in 30-ish minutes or less. And happy President's Day to everyone who is lucky like myself to celebrate. And I'm sorry to everybody checking Instagram stories like Vanessa today and feeling like you're just have a huge case of FOMO and the only one working. I know that's always rough. But uh, we- yeah, <laughs> but happy President's Day to our founding father, Andy Cohen. Cohen. Thank uh, you, Best that, of Bravo, for that great meme. <laughs> I know. I love that meme. We love Maggie from Best of Bravo. We we're so excited that the you know president himself, Andy, share, uh, reshared it to his story. So way to go, Best of Bravo. We were so excited for you. And we we're also so excited that Shaw's is getting into the thick of it. This was such a good episode. I think a lot of times with almost any season, and I think I've said this numerous times, if you're like, she says it every time, I'm just letting you know this is how I feel. The first episode is kind of a throwaway episode. It's more of a, where have they been? What are they doing? What have you missed? And also kind of a refresher for somebody who might be coming into a season brand new. The second episode is usually where you start seeing this shit hit the fan and it slowly builds up. And this one did not disappoint. We saw that this Ali character is basically the ultimate wannabe. They showed a montage of all these scenes where he literally is just standing in the background with everyone. And Reza was pointing out that this guy just kind of is like a leech and leeches on to everybody that he's friends with just to stir up shit. And so the latest one that he's doing this with is Adam with the whole naked Jenga. He was the one who told destiny the story and destiny told Reza. So Reza brings it up to Adam. Adam gets very upset. You can just tell that there's a lot of sensitivities in their marriage. And I don't think it's a big shock. We all talk about like, are they going to make it? Are they not? And I think this is just the idea of infidelity. I think this is just one of those areas that's a, it's a hot topic for anybody. But I think if you don't fully trust one another, the idea of a naked Jenga going on is going to probably piss you off where somebody told me my husband hosted naked Jenga. I would bust out laughing. Like I just, one, wouldn't believe it. And two, I would just laugh at the idea of it. Uh, so Reza confronts Adam and then ultimately, you know, is kind of like, I need to talk to this Ali guy about it and Destiny's going to be there. Then it cuts to Mercedes has the baby, but Mercedes also tells her story of how she was on bed rest. Everything was going okay. And uh, with the bed rest, she was officially released from bed rest. Essentially what she had was a shrinking uterus and the way she described it. I didn't really know what this means, even though I've had two children myself, but she basically is like, it's the door for your kid to get out. And it was 
it, the things weren't working correctly. So they needed her on bed rest to make sure that nothing affected the baby. Then at 36 weeks, they found out that her placenta was failing and they needed to do an emergency C-section. Pregnancies are rough. That alone, I think was just, I felt for her because I'm sure she's so scared and so worried. You're on bed rest and then an emergency C-section. Just, you know, you learn the hard way with your first that nothing goes the way you plan it. And it's scary. And all you're thinking about is, I hope, I just hope I have this baby. And during the emergency C-section, her placenta attached to the, I guess, like uterine wall, and they had to remove her ovaries and one of her fallopian tubes. So she, Oh my God, cannot have a child. This was, she, this is, you know, Shams is her one and only. And that wasn't a decision she was ready to make yet. I think for anyone, like if you're told, I've heard of people having to have emergency hysterectomies in their thirties. And it's like, I didn't know if I wanted another kid, but having a decision made for you that you weren't ready for yet is extremely emotional, especially when it comes to something like growing a family. So it was just even more intense than we thought. We knew she was in ICU. We knew things were going crazy. They do read the text that Tommy sent Reza just saying, you know, Shams is here, but she's been in ICU. It was so scary. And Reza is telling Mike this and, you know, they say a prayer for her and they're just so happy that she has the baby. But then Reza goes to that like same day goes to talk to Ali and basically it's kind of said to him, um, we find out that Ali, the second the whole naked Jenga thing was revealed by destiny that Ali the next day texts Reza and said, Mercedes told me and destiny this, and she wanted it to come out of the right at a certain time. So that's how all the drama started. It's how it all started. And what really pissed me off is we saw Reza at lunch with Mike saying, you know, poor Mercedes, she's in the ICU. This is so scary. It's so horrible. Then he goes and gets like drinks with Ali and Destiny, throws a drink, breaks a, breaks a glass, leaves and calls Mercedes to say, why did you set me up? Why are you doing this? She is in the ICU. You see like a subtitle because you really can't hear what she's saying. And he goes, oh, your doctor's here. You got to go. Okay. And that was the end of their conversation. He basically yells at her and her doctor walks in the room and she has to leave. All I can think is wrong time, Reza. This woman went through a rough pregnancy, an emergency C-section, pretty much almost died, then found out she can't have any more kids. And you're going to call and yell at her about naked Jenga. Like I would be beyond pissed. I'm sure there's more to it. But I fully understand why Mercedes was like, fuck you, Reza. Like you weren't even there for me. And all you did was yell at me when I'm in the hospital. Horrible. Oh my God. That to me shows how absent-minded people can be who have no concept of labor and children in general, that they have, they lose that sense of reality and like what you, what a normal, decent human being should do. It just, right. Like in that moment, I don't care. Like if that, if I found out you were spreading all these rumors about me and you went through all of that, I would put it aside just to text you and say, how are you? What can I do to help you? I would, even if it's somebody wasn't my friend, but maybe they're my neighbor and they, you know, I don't know, their dog shit my lawn constantly. Like they were just a horrible neighbor. There's just certain times where like as a decent human, you do things for one another and whether or not you're mad at somebody, if they're going through something that intense, you don't call them and yell at them. So 
the worst part about all of this is like the, you know, my host Passover and all this stuff happens. And I don't, I'm not saying like Passover is important. He hosted a beautiful meal. It was over the top, lots of gold, very Persian. I loved it. I wish my wedding was as elegant as his Passover meal. But then we find out when Gigi's looking for these fish that mate because she thinks it's going to help her with her fertility. Uh, and we all know Gigi's a little out there. She likes she likes to keep it green. So some of her thought processes are a little cloudy at times. But she goes to co comfort Destiny after Nima confronts her and basically says, you need to make it right with Reza. Because after all that happened, Reza texted everyone in a group text and said, I need to know who's going to be remain, uh, who's going to maintain their friendship with Ali so that I can terminate ours. And he did this on a group text. Nima did say like a lot of people were just side texting him. Like this wasn't something the whole group needed to discuss, but he tells Destiny she has to make it right. And Gigi then reveals to Destiny that Ali has positioned it, that Mercedes was trying to set Reza up. And that's when Destiny said, Mercedes never talked to me about naked Jenga. She never told me any of it. The only person who told me was Ali. So this Ooh. whole fight, their whole friendship, all of this was over some wannabe, thirsty, desperate person making something up. And I would love to hear everyone's side of the story. I say this every time. If you disagree with me, DM us, tell us why. I love hearing this. Bravo is my favorite thing to debate. But I would think as a good friend, I'm not going to trust the word of somebody who has shown to be thirsty, desperate, and will make shit up just to get airtime. I'm not going to believe that over a friendship of what, 20, 20 plus years and a person who almost died having a baby. Like, I just think that's really sad that Reza took Ali's word over Mercedes and then didn't even have the wherewithal to not call her and yell at her. So that, that's kind oh, of, I a mean, thousand percent. Yeah, it was, I was just watching this. I'm like, holy shit, this all could have been avoided. And it was just mind blowing to me. So this is now setting it up. We're going to start seeing, you know, the vandalizing and the fighting and we're going to start seeing, I guess, Gigi, uh, you know, she talked about how she's going to start the egg retrieval and implantation and her whole IVF process. So it's all, I mean, it's all happening, but what a second episode. Whew. Well, I'm excited to catch up. Both you and I were out of town, so I have some catching up to do, but I'm so glad that you covered it. Yes. And so I'm going to pass it on to you. As Vanessa said, we were both out of town. We didn't get to watch all the amazing Bravo shows because uh, we were just enjoying time with friends and family this weekend. So I missed Atlanta. So now I need you to catch me up. What happened? Atlanta was good. A lot of different things happen in Atlanta. We get a Nini sighting. Oh, those are rare. I know. Those are so rare. She probably spent more time in this episode than she has in any other episode. So the big highlights for me are, one, Cynthia and Kenya had a, con a conversation about the cookie lady and how Cynthia felt like Kenya threw her under the bus. I give, I always give the Atlanta ladies props for always acknowledging their shit and addressing it with the women. Um, and some of these other franchises, Abby and I talk about this all the time, it would drag on for a good 15 episodes, it feel like. But they nipped it in the butt. Well, then Cynthia invited Nini. She was kind of, um, I'm blanking on the scene right now, but it doesn't matter. She <laughs> she invited her over to the Bailey cellar and just kind of wanted to make amends. So the conversation started out 
it was overall, it was a really good conversation. Uh, the weirdest, one of the weird things in that conversation is one, they were drinking wine, not that weird, but what was weird is that they were having chips and salsa and the salsa was in wine glasses. Ew. Like stemmed wine glasses? Yes. <laughs> it was well, very weird. Wine glasses too? Say what? Were the chips in wine glasses too? No, they weren't. It was very, it was kind of strange. I'm like, okay, I know you're trying to be cute with the wine theme, but salsa does not belong in a wine glass. Like put it in a bowl. So I kind of chuckled at that. Um, It was pretty humorous. But the conversation started out with, okay, I hurt you. You hurt me. I was hurt by this. Nini was mainly hurt by the fact that Cynthia had called her a toxic friend. Then Cynthia was like, you said a lot of hurtful things. She's like, listen, we both said hurtful things. Let's not spend our time going back and forth on who said something more worse. She's like, it's like 50-50. Nini backs down and is like, no, it wasn't. She eventually storms off. I'm like, oh, God, this is what always happened. Nini like runs away from the situation. Cynthia, I give her a lot of credit because she's like, you know, she didn't hadn't owned much accountability on her part. It's I'm the one who's going to have to step up and be the bigger person. So Cynthia comforts Nini outside of the cellar, the wine cellar. They have a heart to heart. Nini cries. She's really, really hurt. I think because of how good of a friendship they had, and I'm not justifying Nini's actions by any means, but she was just very hurt that she said that she wasn't a good friend to her when she really in fact was. They kind of, they honestly kind of like made things cool. They hugged. There's tears shed. Nini apologized to Cynthia. I don't think they're going to be the best of friends by any means. I think there's been too much damage done, but I was impressed with the fact that they were able to have the conversation. And I was also glad that Nini didn't completely run away. So I was, that was good. I'm happy to hear that. I'm looking forward to watching it. I think we've all maybe enjoyed Cynthia and Nini not being best friends, but it's, I hate to say this. It's kind of like Vicky and Tamara at the end of the day, you liked them as friends in the beginning, whether their personalities and lives have changed. You kind of want to see them become friends again and remain friends. I don't know. That's kind of, that's how I've always felt about Nini and Cynthia. I like them as friends together. Absolutely. And the producers went through a montage and you saw all these moments of them together. So yes, they're better as friends or better to be cordial. And Cynthia is like, I'm always going to have love for her. I'm always going to wish, wish her well. So that was good. I was happy about that. So then Nini invites the ladies to a jungle-themed brunch. The invitation itself caused a little controversy um, because Portia read it and was like, okay, you're throwing some shade because she made a – she said um, something along the lines like, you all better not be lying, L-I-O-N. But Portia's read that like, oh, you're saying lying, like we're lying. Like what are you trying to do here? Like you haven't even reached out to me. So she was a little hesitant. At the so yeah, it was very that was a little interesting. So at the brunch, everyone's supposed to dress jungle theme, like animal print, basically. Eva is starting to have contractions. She looks like she she's played it so cool. She didn't tell she rode with Cynthia, did not even tell her that she was experiencing contractions in the car. She like was like went to the bathroom and talking to the producer, she's like, Yeah, I'm having contractions, and they progressively get worse. And she's like trying like I've never seen someone like she was in pain and you can see it in her face but she was so like quiet (laughs) like wasn't like oh my god fuck like she I would be screaming but she was completely even keel 
They call her doctor. The doctor's like, you have to go to the hospital. She doesn't want to go to the hospital. Um, even though she was eight months at the time, I wish Bravo, hello, give us weeks here. Yeah. <laughs> so we get understand. 36 weeks? Are we talking about 35, 34? Exactly. Well, it was young, early enough that the baby would, she was worried about going to the NICU. She knew that if he was, I think if he was born that day, that he would be in the NICU. So she was really, really nervous about that and did not want that to happen. It turns out she did not go into labor. Oh, okay. I was like, what if she had a baby in a bathtub? That's like, I'd rather be in the NICU than in the bathtub. Oh, absolutely. I don't know what experiences she had with her other two, um, pregnancy so maybe there's something in play there but she didn't happen at that moment but everyone was kind of like okay it's gonna happen so the brunch that nini hosts she shows up two and a half hours late to her nini own brunch or eva nina nini shows nini. up late yeah she to was her lying about the start time Yeah, she showed up two and a half hours late, which is insane. Ended up inviting other women that the main cast did not know. It was strange. She was trying to pass it off as a sisterhood, women supporting women, entrepreneurial type lunch. uh, Candy made a good comment. was like, oh, it's probably because you have you wanted to make sure someone would show up because you have no friends. It was pretty comical. But it was, you know, all in all, I feel like it was like, good episode the heart of the episode was nini and cynthia but it it was kind of i feel like just setting us up for the next episode oh i can't wait to watch i i hope we see more of nini i there's this big question mark on whether or not nini is going to quit is she going to do another season is she going to become a friend of ever since the ogs have started getting fired i think like everybody has a big question mark on whether or not they're gonna make it much longer I'm sure Nini's wondering, like, do I quit before they fire me? Absolutely. I mean, I am with you. I enjoy Nini on the screen. She can be calm. I would like to see more fun Nini, why we liked her in the beginning. We haven't really seen much of that. It's almost, she's been so much on the defense defense mode lately. She doesn't have very many allies outside of Marlo. So I'm curious to see how they wrap this up. But the next episode, Kenya, Kenya's husband confronts Nini and Greg about some of the comments that Nini has made. It was like, listen, I want everyone to be, be cool. And it's very funny to watch in the previews because Kenya is so quiet and we're not used to seeing her like that. Interesting. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I mean, sounds like this has been a good Bravo week. I thought Vanderpump was a better episode. We're still not quite to the caliber of, that I hold Vanderpump to. But we finally saw James Kennedy. I think that's the only reason why I enjoyed the episode. The season has missed James. I'm so glad he was back. I love that he got to DJ. Anytime they can show a clip of him DJing on the big thing of toilet rolls, it is, it's one of my favorite things. I think it's so funny. He literally was sitting on toilet paper rolls, DJing in like this weird booth originally at TomTom, but it's pride. Like that's always a fun time with Sir and TomTom and all the restaurants. So it was, I really enjoyed it, but I was just so glad James was back. And I was so glad we talked about the Fofty feud. Yes, I was going to say, he came back and he immediately addressed Fofty, which to me did not get as much airtime as it thoroughly deserved. Probably because Randall like weaseled his way into getting I mean, like, a producing yeah. credit. I'm something. sure Randall was like, listen, the, you know, however million that I owed Fofty, I paid it off and then I'll pay you guys not to bring this up a lot. But, but I'm like, how could you have not? It was such a like pop bravo pop culture moment that i wish even the other cast members who knows maybe they did talk about it and they didn't show it but i wanted to see more 
I think it's hilarious that he posted about it. I I know Lala got mad about it. She said this was a big deal. This is my man. I hate when she says my man. I don't know the way she says it. Like just it's like nails on the chalkboard. But she's like, this is my man's future and his business and our livelihood and all this stuff. But I I thought I mean everyone else was memeing it, and I didn't think what James put was that bad. But apparently it was enough that he got blocked again, and James and Lala are once again not friends. But then they make amends later on in the episode. Except I was so devastated. So she didn't, she makes amends with him, tells him to stop doing stupid shit, that she wants him to be sober. She's there to support him. She ultimately wants to see him do well. And she says something about like, you know, you're not drinking right now, are you? And he's like, no, are you? And she's like, no. And so it turned into this, like, he said, well, then let me drink your drink. So he does. And he's like, oh, there's no alcohol in there. She goes, can I drink yours? And he goes, no, and runs away. So he clearly was drinking. And that part was, I agree with you. It's disappointing. As people who have rooted for James and we want to see him succeed, that part was definitely disappointing. I will say I gave Lala a lot of props for her. How I respect her a lot for how serious she takes her sobriety as any person should and how she's pretty upfront and transparent about it. I give her a lot. I respect her a lot for that. Absolutely. And to show up to pride where everyone else is getting bombed. They're getting so drunk. You know, the whole place is packed. People are doing shots and you're there drinking water. I think that shows a lot of confidence and strength in her sobriety, which is really, I think it's really nice to see knowing she struggled with it. So I I absolutely give her credit and props as well. I think it's great that she's doing that. She's probably helping a lot of people out there struggling to maintain sobriety or get sober. So way to go, Lala. I also am glad I saw you made a note of this too. I'm really happy that Sheena and Dana buried the hatchet. Although Sheena still can't admit that she's jealous. She kind of did, but she wouldn't admit to Lisa, which was so funny. She talked for like 20 minutes and cried about how she's not jealous. I just am glad that drama between the two of them is kind of done. I think after, I mean, I don't, this is what episode three of Vanderpump Rules, two episodes is one too much about their <laughs> supposed feud. So I was glad to see them in the back alley uh, making things up. And th- wasn't Sheena on her inhaler in that conversation too? She popped that inhaler that at least three times. And I'm sure she did <laughs> yeah. more than that because they added all that shit out. Like she was, so she took it one time before she even started the conversation. And then Dana said something like, are you a 12 year old? Or like, basically it was like act your age. And she hit the puff again. Again, this could have been editing, but it was pretty hilarious. It was pretty funny. Uh, But I mean, obviously it's not going to last. I think we're going to see these two fight for quite a while, but it's kind of, I mean, Stassi and Sheena didn't get along for quite a while. And I feel like Dana's kind of a blend of Stassi and Lala And Lala didn't get along with a lot of the girls in the beginning. So I think we're going to see Dana continue to fight with Sheena. But it does seem like the other girls like her. We saw social media post pretty early on before we even knew they were filming of Dana with Ariana and with Lala. So that's probably only going to make Sheena more pissed off. Oh, yeah. But maybe her friendship with Ariana, maybe she'll get over it. But considering we, we, we never see them photographed together. However, they were both at the Chrissy Teigen key sunglasses event together yes the australian so uh, maybe there's hope maybe celebrities bring them together i guess i would come out even if i didn't like someone for a celebrity 
too. I'd well, and also Dana, based on like Instagram stories and social media posts, is really good friends with Logan, who we know we love Logan. He's from St. Louis, but he is also super close with Ariana. So I feel like if Ariana and Dana weren't super close, I don't think Logan and Dana would be very close either. Truth. So there you go. A little fun fact you might not have noticed or known. But I think the moment we all have been waiting for for months and we've just been dying for this to happen is Frankie Jr. taking Gia to prom. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure when that all went down in real time, they temporarily broke Instagram because all us, our Bravo account and all the other gazillion great Bravo accounts out there were losing their shit over this. It was, I won. Frankie Jr. is hot. I think Gia is a beautiful young lady. I think she's been through so much. It broke my heart when they showed her eighth grade dance and she was crying because her mom wasn't there because her mom was in jail. And then, you know, her uncle, um, Joey, Joey Gorga walks in as she's getting her hair and makeup done and she starts crying because her dad's not there for prom. And it made me think like this poor girl has so many few memories of milestones in her life where both sets of parents were present. Absolutely. And I loved, I will say at first I was like, before they showed that clip of her not being there for the eighth, before they showed that clip of Teresa not being there for the eighth grade prom or their little dance, I was kind of like, why is Teresa going so like all out? But then it kind of all made sense. And I really love, I thought it was very sweet. It might be a little much and a little extra how much she did, but just how all out she went out for Gia and wanting to make that day perfect for her. And I'm sure, yeah, there's probably a sense of, I need to make up for what I've missed. Her dad's not there. So I want to make it extra special. I mean, I wish I would have had a pre-prom party like that. I think we had like a deli tray of cold cuts, maybe chips and salsa, not served in wine glasses though. And then the limo showed up and our limo was like a fancy like party bus, but not, I'm trying to describe it. It's like, Reminds me of like a really nice shuttle bus if you go on a corporate event. That was like what we had to get us to prom. I don't even think I took a limo. I think we were in friends' cars. I don't remember a limo, but I could be wrong. Well, I was from West County, St. Louis. We were kind of bougie, so that's just what we did. But uh, I also this. I mean, this episode had so many great things. We had Frank, uh, Frankie Jr. and Gia. It was. Of course, we all love that. I think we all want them to get married. We want them to have kids. We want them to continue the Bravo legacy for all of us. And then Stephen, Jennifer Aiden's brother, who is openly gay and talked about you know his battles to become confident as an openly gay man and the lack of acceptance he had from family members, including his own mom, which I can't, like, I just can't even fathom it because I love my kids so much. I don't, like, if they came to me one day and were like, I think I was, you know, I I was born to live on Mars and that's what I'm going to do. And that's how I feel like that's what life is calling me to do. I'd be sad, but I would support them. You just, you, I can't imagine not loving your kids for, I believe something that they're, you're born a certain way. Oh, absolutely. I, I, a thousand percent. And I, I'm glad that Jennifer in that moment took that as a lesson too, to take Gabby, to show her what Steven has overcome and to kind of give her some hope, which I, I really, you know, we could, we say a lot about Jennifer. We talk a lot about her flaws, but her strengths are really, really great. 
And I think she is absolutely a wonderful mother. I mean, you look at her kids, look at the things that Gabby, the advice she gives. And even though Gabby's being bullied the way she kind of like is so mature with how she talks about it, that is truly a reflection of the parenting. I'm sure Bill's involved a little bit, but he's gone quite a bit. So this really is a reflection of Jennifer. So say what you will about her. I think she's an amazing mom. But the moment where his mom started tearing up and Jennifer goes, what's wrong? And she just said, I'm happy. And it was like in that moment, she saw her son and accepted him for who he was and then had this amazing conversation with him. I got a little teary eyed. Oh, my God. I was borderline bawling. It was so sweet. I was I mean, you could feel it from the screen of her looking at her son and hearing the music and seeing what he's doing and you could feel her accepting him and kind of just letting that all go. Oh, what a moment. I know. And then from there, you know, it's like we keep the the heartfelt emotions going as everyone heads to Jersey Shore to get wasted. Um, it's like this roller coaster of like feeling sad for Gia, then being happy for Gia. And then, you know, you're heartbroken for Steven, but then you're happy for Steven. And then kind of like, uh, we're getting off the ride and going on a totally different theme park to Jersey Shore. But it did not miss any drama or any lack of, uh, I think, things to come there. I thought it was interesting, and they made a note of this, of how Joey and Bill were able to kind of let their, squash their beef so quickly. But pretty much all the women at least have one person they cannot stand on that trip. I mean, I wonder if that beef is still squashed because if Bill saw Joe's interview where he called Jennifer several mean names crazy I, f- I forgot all the things he said was not nice. I wouldn't yeah. be so happy about that yeah I mean I think you know Jersey always has typically always has the men come out for a portion of the reunion so we'll see what happens there but I mean the biggest piece though is all of a sudden then uh Teresa is talking about I don't know really know how it came up I guess prenups came up that's right P- prenups came up because everybody was talking about Gia and Frankie and how cute they are and they want them to get married. And Frank Sr. was like, let's get this prenup going now. And Teresa starts talking about it and basically reveals all the horrible things that Joe has said to her and then admits like, yeah, he cheated on me. He had a a separate cell phone for a woman to call him. And he said it was, what is it? Like a, was it like his sister's friend who was going through a divorce, but the The clip from the wineries where he is on a different cell phone and talking about his, you know, dumb bitch wife, which is just horrible, uh, that plays. And Melissa reveals it's not shocking, shocking to any of us that Joe cheated. What's shocking right now is the fact that Teresa is openly talking about it. I mean, what did you think about all that? I was so shocked. And I'm here for this season, Teresa, in the sense of her owning her shit and just like commenting on everything. I feel like usually she's pretty tight-lipped, old school Italian, reserved, doesn't really speak her mind. Whew, and that girl is truly like the definition ride or die. She was so ride or die for Joe for so many years and so long that I'm glad that she's like, fuck this. I'm going to share my truth. And this is what's happened. Yeah. And yeah, he did probably cheat. And I, I, I was like, yes, Teresa, yes, that did happen. I'm, I don't know how, or I mean, what, why it took you so long to get there, but I know how important, especially in Italian culture is to keep a family together that I think she chose to turn an eye just for her girls, but I'm glad she's starting to choose herself and be happy for herself. 
Well, and I think she's realizing Joe's not coming back to the States. She's always said if they're not living in the same, like she's not moving to Italy. If they're not living in the same country, they're going to be divorced. So she's seeing the writing on the wall. I think in front of her kids, she tells a different story because they want their dad to keep fighting. But I'm sure she knows that she is about to become a single woman. People were making comments about finding her a man while they were um, at the Jersey Shore. You could tell she felt uncomfortable about that. But I mean, I think we're starting to see a different Teresa and this is clearly the beginning of the end. It was not a surprise when they announced their divorce, but seeing some of this leading up to it has been a little surprising. Absolutely. And one other moment that I want to talk about at the end of the episode. So as Teresa's revealing all of this, Marge is trying to connect with her about all like the legal fees because Teresa's saying how she's hustling and working and trying to keep everything together. And Marge is trying to comment on her experiences and Jennifer in true uh, tequila, lime, water, whatever she drinks, Jennifer chimes in and is like, oh, it's not the same. And Marge makes a cheap shot and says, well, you don't even have a job or said something like that. And I, I thought that was such a cheap shot. I love Marge, but I was like, Marge, you don't, you don't. And we it. love Marge. I think I hate it because it came from Marge, but I, I hate this dynamic of the lack of respect or the, this tension and fighting between moms who work and moms who stay at home. I just, and I talk about this a lot with my friends at the end of the day, we need to rely on one another. There are probably going to be parties and, various events that I can't make it to because of my job. And I don't have the flexibility sometimes to just, you know, come to school at 1030 to volunteer, to hand out, you know, sell erasers or whatever it is for a fundraiser. And so I'm going to rely on stay at home moms to do that kind of stuff. And that is a job getting kids ready for school is a job doing all the stuff for their school and being present and doing all those things. I respect it. And I appreciate it. The same token, you know, those of us that are working, we're trying to set examples for girls out there that you can do whatever you want. And if you want to be a CEO and an executive and an engineer or any other male dominated industry, you can't. And we're setting these examples for young women by working and maintaining our families. And I think stay at home moms need to respect and appreciate that because that might be something they want for one of their daughters one day. So this whole, I just hate the whole complex of every like a stay at home mom hates working moms and vice versa. And, you know, you have it so easy if you're at home with your kids all day. I'm sure raising five kids is no walk in the park. Oh, fuck no. I think that's the hardest job ever is being a stay at home parent. I just was disappointed in March because it's such a cheap shot and it minimizes everything that Jennifer does. And yet, no, we said it already. She has her flaws and she's not perfect. And Pizza parties are still great birthday parties, but <laughs> let's not, you know, diminish her mothering and her job because it is a job. Absolutely. And with a husband who works as much as she does, I, she's, I'm sure wearing several hats around their house. Yes. She probably has help in a cleaning crew, but I don't know. I mean, I struggle to get two kids ready, dressed, lunches made in the morning. I can't imagine doing five on my own. So I, I give her credit for that. Her husband, you know, probably wakes up early is doing surgeries and um, she's doing a lot of it. So I agree. It was a cheap shot. I wish Marge hadn't have said it. And I'm sure it's just only going to fuel more fire between those two because they really don't seem to get along. Nope. And Jennifer and Melissa continue not to get along either, but I'm excited for part two of it's, the Jersey shore. It's going to be a good vacation. I'm, I love that they went to the Jersey shore and I can't wait to see what the rest of the drama We've all seen clips where I, I just can't wait. I think it's going to be so good. 
And I thought Summer House transitioning into our final show, we're a little bit over, but we've got a lot of shows to cover. So sorry if those of you are like, oh my God, they're still talking. Five shows is a lot. Uh, Summer House, I think it's good. I love watching them, but I think it's interesting. Amanda and Kyle still, this whole, they haven't picked a date yet. We asked Kyle at BravoCon, when are you getting married? I can't remember what he, exactly what he said, but didn't he say like, stay tuned, you'll find out this season? I don't remember. I mean, there were so many good moments from BravoCon that I like yeah. only have the mental like, capacity to remember. Yeah, like, I thought he said something like, we picked a date, but like, you'll have to tune in to find out. Like he was very like pumping the new season, if I remember it correctly. Oh, uh, I'm sure I, you're right. But it's just so weird. Like, I feel like it's just so odd they've been engaged this long and she has no interest in any of the planning. She doesn't even really know what year she wants to do it in. What season? I thought it was funny. Her dad asked, and she goes, I don't know, maybe spring or fall. I'm like, it's a really big window. And those are also like the most common times people get married. I feel like spring and fall are kind of like top picks for wedding seasons. Oh, yeah. And I will say their conversation when she got home from work and he wanted to talk about Loverboy, I have, I was laughing because I've been her before when Kyle wants to sit down and have like a budget conversation, <laughs> like oh. drinking wine. And I'm like, can we talk yeah. about this tomorrow? So I was here for that, but she, yeah, she's not really into it, which to me, I'm like, well, then just elope, like make it easy. Elope just, like, and like, yeah, elope or just like live together for a while and be like, we don't know when we're getting married. Stop asking. You know, I mean, she's pretty young. Maybe she's not ready to not that she's not ready to get married, but maybe she's just not ready for that big event yet. I don't know. Yeah. But I will say, when I, don't know. Uh, uh, I think she needs to use the phrase, and I want to teach this to everyone out there because I've started using it. And I feel like people instantly change the subject. So a conversation is happening and it's going in a direction, whether it's political or your husband wants to talk to you about budget. I now will just be like, Ugh, unsubscribe. And literally everyone changes the subject when I say that. So <laughs> I love that's hilarious. Unsubscribe. Okay. I've don't unsubscribe doing... to us, though. Please don't yeah, unsubscribe no, to us. <laughs> We're going to get, like, some comment. Unsubscribe from these ladies. But that, I promise, that's really, that wraps it up. That our shout-out. Yes, I said that brings us to our favorite part of the show. I'm so mad I didn't get to, like, FaceTime you during this shout-out. So I'm going to let you tell the story because I just think it's the coolest experience. And I have to let you tell it because you lived it. I, oh, yes, this shout-out. Okay, I have almost two shout outs. One, oh, that's right. Do both. Yeah. One, while I was at the airport, I was traveling. I was in Colorado this past weekend. I bought the Jessica Simpson open book. I devoured it in a day, 400 pages. I could not stop reading. My delays <laughs> contributed to that, but I still cannot stop reading. You guys, it is so good. And in terms of, I don't always read a ton of celebrity memoirs, but she really, really does spill the tea and is very authentic and comes across super real. If you didn't love her before, you're going to love her even more now. She's a story for everyone. It's a really, really great book. So highly, highly recommend it. The Nick Lachey chapters were juicy. The John Mayer chapters, whoa, I, those were I so fucking good. I want to read John Mayer more than I want to read Nick Lachey. One, I think Nick Lachey is a turd. He just is boring. I have no interest in hearing about him. I can see why she divorced him, but the John Mayer piece, like he almost oh. posed and I don't, I just feel like there's a lot there. There's definitely a lot there. And I think from a 
celebrity pop culture from what we know, we thought they were just like maybe a fling, but it was a lot more than that. So she goes there. It was really, really good. There's mentions of Johnny Knoxville. I mean, again, she covers it all. She talks about her um, getting sober, which again, I had no idea how bad it was, her weight. She does it all. And it's really, really great. Second shout out, I want to give a small shout out to Julia. Hi, Julia. I saw you at the Denver airport. You came up to me. I was shocked that you stopped to say hello and that you said you listen to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. It means the world to us to know that people out there are actually really listening. It was a like pinch me and I'm like, oh my gosh, yay. Like, let's keep doing what we're doing. So thank you everyone who listens and who's who are such huge supporters of us. It truly means the world to us. And if you ever see us out and about, please, please, please come and say hi. Absolutely. And so with that, um, that I know we're over and we're sorry there was a lot to cover and we were just excited to catch up with everyone. So please, please um, subscribe to us. Don't unsubscribe, but feel free to use that phrase. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Real Moms of Bravo. And we know I'm just going to own it there. I know there's podcasts out there that get mad at people who comment about it. We've been seeing the comments about our audio. We're trying something new. So if you feel like this audio sounds better than ones you have heard in the past, please DM us and let us know. We know the audio piece is frustrating. We are just as frustrated as you. We are trying a million different platforms and editing and just different ways to record and make this better. So keep giving us that feedback and let us know. Um, but if you think it's great, give us a five-star review and an awesome feedback on that on top of the DM. And with that, we will catch you next week. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now, and for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment.